You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Attention, slipper people. The Sportiva Cobras are back and they're better than ever. Um, dude, I think that's a rattlesnake. And now that's just a whip. Sweep the leg. No mercy. Okay, now you got it. But the really good news is that the Cobra Eco is made from 85% recycled materials with low-impact adhesives and tanning process. What's more, not a single gluten is harmed in Sportiva's revolutionary gluten-friendly manufacturing process. Unless, of course, you count the break-time cannolis. So flaky. But seriously, the Cobra remains a legend for its fit and all-around performance from boulders to sport climbs and even thin cracks. And they're back and better than ever. So check out the Renewed Cobra Eco at Sportiva.com or your favorite local shop. And remember the glutens. Run free and climb hard, little glutens. Does your partner suffer from try-it-again syndrome? Or one-hangitis? Or even worse, delusional performance disorder? Well... There really isn't a cure for DPD, except for a good smackdown, but it does probably mean that you've been belaying them for hours and hours on end and are now suffering from BNP, or belayer neck pain, a stiffness in the cervical spine just below the occipital region of your thick, thick skull. But now there's a cure for BNP resulting from DPD. Ask your doctor about belay specs, and when he doesn't know what the hell you're talking about, Just smile and tuck that prescription for opiates away for your next overseas plane flight. But then ask several strangers about belay specs. Ask that cute barista at the coffee shop on the corner about belay specs. In fact, ask everyone you know about belay specs. Keep talking about belay specs until nobody wants to climb with you anyway. Problem solved. But if that doesn't work, then go to belayspecs.com and get yourself a pair. And don't forget to enter EnormaCast at checkout for a discount and to help out the podcast. Side effects may include people thinking you're staring at them when you're not. Old track runners rolling their eyes. People putting them on for the first time saying, ooh, that's trippy. People insisting they don't like those weird glasses even though they've never even tried them. If you feel drowsy, nauseous, rumbling in your stomach, horny, confused, or have strange, vivid dreams, this probably has nothing to do with belay specs. It is more likely from that bug you picked up in that backpacker's hostel in Rio after five too many caipirinhas. Belayspecs.com. Say adeus to belayer neck pain. Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, the big place outside of town. That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. Oh, I'll you really town. should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed having with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes and the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Normacast. This is your host, Chris Galoose. It is September 27th, 2018, which, holy crap, I just remembered is my brother's birthday. He just turned 50. Okay, just a second. All right, I'm back. Text sent. Happy birthday, Scott Calusa of Kenosha, Wisconsin. In your honor and the region's honor, I will toast you with this crisp Miller High Life. And before you get on my case for forgetting my brother's birthday, 50th birthday, I also sold my house today. So that can be a little distracting. Okay, where were we? Episode 160 of the Enorma Cast, a conversation with blogosphere celebrity climber and now 
podcaster, Kathy Carlo from For the Love of Climbing. Do you guys know Kathy Carlo? To know her is to love her, I think. She is uh, a, just this bundle of positivity, at least, you know, socially and publicly. We're probably going to find out what kind of demons she has on this podcast project she does. So uh, we'll talk about that in just a minute. The only real announcement is, is I'm doing a very early, early announcement that I have decided and I was invited to go to the Michigan Ice Fest in the middle of February. I don't actually have the dates here in front of me. I don't know where it is. I don't know where it happens. I know it's in the Upper Peninsula, which I'm a little bit familiar with, having been born and raised at least to the age of five in Green Bay, Wisconsin, not too far south of there, and uh, spend a lot of time up there in the uh, intervening years. So yes, I've committed, going to go up to the old country there and check out the Michigan Ice Festival. Dear God, pray for my toes. It's a, it's a kind of cold up there that's, that's something to be reckoned with, I think. Uh, a little bit different than out here in dry old Colorado, so see how that goes. But I, I get invited to ice climbing festivals once in a while, which uh, I think is kind of funny because, as you guys know, I've given up ice climbing many, many years ago, but whatever. I can top rope and I can drink, and I think that's a big part of uh, ice climbing festivals, especially in a place like the UP, so... All you youpers out there, the four or five youpers that probably listen to this show, here I come. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, look up the dates. I'll talk about it a little bit more when it gets closer. But if you're in the region and you plan on going to that thing, I'm going to be there. Plus a few uh, members of the entourage, I think, are going to try to show up. So good times. Check it out. Sign up now. Just Google it. All right. About today's show, we've got a conversation here with Kathy Carlo about her new podcast. Well, about her as well, but mostly we talk about her new podcast, For the Love of Climbing. She's billed it as not being a climbing podcast, but it kind of is, kind of isn't. I joke about that on this show. Sometimes we don't talk about climbing, but this is pretty climby podcast. <laughs> Let's face it, we can get in the weeds on climbing deep, deep in the weeds. And um, hers, I think she does do a lot at least so far, with um, some bigger issues that have a climbing base. But uh, man, they're deep and heavy. And uh, I listened to it. I've been friends with Kathy for a bit. And I listened to the show and it just rocked me. So I want you guys to check it out. I, I, I guess this is a bit of a spoiler alert because we do talk pretty heavily about the very first episode. Um, although, you know, it's it's a good story and it's intense and I think that good art, whether it's a film or a podcast or any story, doesn't rely on, you know, some sort of trick ending that you can't know. You know, it's like, yeah, sixth sense. The guy was dead the whole time. Forget about it. Like it's done. Once you know that, who cares what happened in the movie, right? So I guess it's a spoiler because we talk about that episode. So if you do want to listen to it ahead of time, stop right here, if you will. Um, go check out For the Love of Climbing podcast. It's all over the place, iTunes, you know, the normal spots. And then come back to this. That works fine. But um, like I said, I don't think it's totally necessary that we're going to ruin it for you because, like I said, a good story is going to be heavy either way. And, and what she did with that first episode is pretty darn heavy. I'm really looking forward to this this podcast uh, growing and becoming something big. She's also just kind of a one-lady show over there for now, but um, I really feel like some backers and some people get behind this thing pretty quickly. So she's got a great voice, and I'm just excited to tell you guys about this podcast. And sometimes I feel a little bit competitive with other podcasts. I don't necessarily feel that competitive with other climbing podcasts because it's still a very small um, little group, but you know, just ear time in general is starting to become really hard to come by. What I call ear time, I've I've made that up, but you know, people have only a certain amount of time in the in the day or in the week or whatever to listen to podcasts. Some people have a ton of time on commutes. Other people listen to them at work, but some folks only tune in once in a while. So I guess we are all competing for that ear time. Um, but I feel good about competing with something as cool as what Kathy is doing. And, and I think it just brings life to the medium. And I believe in the medium. And the fact that she's hit it out of the park on two episodes already, 
I just can't wait to see what she's going to do. So check out For the Love of Climbing podcast and check out this conversation with Kathy Carlo, a conversation that really amounts to me just heaping praise upon her with little small spoonfuls of jealousy for about 50 minutes. Okay, so we're recording. Um, so if you say anything incriminating, you're stuck with it now. Um, yeah, so here are my notes. As you can see, they're fluid. Yes, I did listen so to your episodes. Um, I had been meaning to, and it was, you know, the, my podcasting life is uh, diminished from li- listening to other podcasts because I don't paint all day. And the big story behind my podcasting and my desire to do it came from the fact that I painted all day and I'd listen to eight hours podcasts all the time. So lately I haven't been listening to as many because I don't have that opportunity. Thank God. I don't push pain as much anymore. So (laughs) anyway, but I listened. So first of all, I want to say that I was just blown out of the water. It kicks the Enormacast ass so hard. I have to make my listeners promise, and this is what I'm going to do this right now. So if you're listening, you have to, you have to A, promise to go listen to For the Love of Climbing podcast. And then you, but you also have to promise to come back and still listen to the Enormous cast, <laughs> even if it's like pity listening, okay? Because you're just like, oh, that guy still does his little thing or he like sets up in his, you know, little junky RV and he's like, it's all cute. So I'm going to keep listening to that. But... You know, what you've done, at least with your first two episodes, this has got like so much meaning and import to it that, um, yeah, I was just like, what the fuck am I been doing? Like, this is super rad. Although I had a tiny bit of sympathy because I feel like, man, it's, you've set this bar. I'm like, God, where is she going to go now? And so, you know, as a podcaster, I had this like moment, like, you know, I always joke about my DiMartino episode, which is number 11. And it's like, still probably the best episode I've ever done. And so 150 some later, I'm like, where's that all? Where's my next DiMartino coming from? I've even made him sign an affidavit that if he loses another limb, I get first access. (laughs) So anyway, thanks for coming on the show. We're here to talk about your podcast, but also about you. So I don't know where we start other than with me heaping praise upon you about this (laughs) podcast. I mean, uh, well, I mean, it's brand new. It just launched August 15th. So yeah, ask me anything, really. Yeah, I've told my, like, how did I decide to do a podcast thing? So let's hear your story behind the, the For the Love of Climbing podcast, because it's in addition to, you know, media or what you've been doing for a while. So I was actually writing an article a couple of years ago, and uh, a Carbondale local, Mary Harlan, she she was on the phone with me and, you know, I was asking her for a couple of quotes for this article. And at the end of the article or the interview, rather, um, she she told me, hey, hey, Kathy, you you should start a podcast like you should definitely do this. Like you, your questions are really insightful and I think people would be really interested in that. And, you know, I kind of laughed it off and I didn't think about it for a couple a couple of years. Um, but then. In the last year or so, um, I started putting out some more essays that had some really interesting feedback. And, uh, you know, wh- one of the commentary um, uh, that I had received, it, it actually, it was kind of infuriating and it inspired me to move forward with it. This comment that I'd received, uh, it said that this is rock climbing and it's not supposed to be nice or safe or accepting of your your feelings. And I remember reading that and thinking that's completely wrong. I feel like uh, there's there's so much sentimentality within climbing, within the sport for so many people. And I'm going to prove it. I'm going to I'm going to make a podcast. So I, I started running with that idea and people in the beginning stages, they would ask me, well, what's your podcast about? Is it a climbing podcast? And, and I told them straight up, it's, it's not a climbing podcast. Um, I told them it was about feelings. So I'm sure that was a guy uh, without <laughs> you telling me that. Um, but I do, you know, I think it's, it's kind of blunt and it's sort of, uh, you know, get off my lawn kind of sentiment. But, you know, I, I actually do oftentimes have this, I guess dichotomy or paradox where I, I, I feel like climbing has so much meaning and, you know, I've based my life around it and my podcast is just always about like soaking all the meaning out of it. And then sometimes I'm just like, 
Yeah, but it doesn't have meaning all the time. And like the other side of the coin is I think sometimes, yeah, we, we do sort of attempt to squeeze a bit out of it that may not even be there. So I have some sympathy for that attitude of like every day. I, I mean, I've joked on here before. Every day I go climbing can't be some epiphany about, you know, moving my inner psyche forward or whatever else I'd lose my mind. You know, it's like, Oh, weekly he's, you know, like every time he goes climbing, he's completely shattered. Like we'd have to pick him up. However, you know, I'm not sympathetic to the black and white nature of it. It's like, of course this thing has meaning. And of course everybody's going to find whatever they want out of it. And I have in the past. And sometimes I, you know, I just go climbing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some days you just normal, you know, you have a normal day at the crag and you, you send a couple of things and you chuff on a few others and then you pack up and go home. And yeah, you're right. You definitely don't always walk away with one experience that is life altering. But Mm -hmm. I think that the accumulation of, of these experiences and, you know, obviously the, the company that you keep, I think that that is a huge component of it. Mm -hmm. So you know, you've got two episodes out right now. The first, what are the, do they have titles? They do, yeah. What's the first one called? So the first episode is called Unbroken. Unbroken. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and that, that is a story about a sexual assault survivor. And I, I called it that because um, I think that we view people who go through these kinds of experiences as very broken. And uh, and after meeting uh, Krista, she, she just, I mean, she exudes so much strength and humanity. And I, I immediately just wanted to highlight that. Right. And, and I mean, it's like you're out of the gates. First episode is just a total gut punch. I yeah. mean, it, it's pretty impressive. And I've heard, you know, people have been telling me as a podcaster and just as a climber and, and also knowing that I know you like, you got to listen to this thing. You got to listen to this thing. And so I did today in preparation for this. Finally, uh, I had been meaning to, and you know, I'm glad I was here by myself and I could really pay attention to it because that's one of the problems with my life at the moment is that, you know, when I put a podcast on, I want to, I don't like the background thing. I'm like, I want to listen to this thing. So I got to listen to it and like, it was, it was a powerful experience. And I kind of wanted to talk to you about, the issue in the podcast, I mean, and maybe some of the feedback and the reactions that you've heard, at least, to it. And have you heard a lot? Have you gotten, you know, a lot of feedback for, for the story about this woman who was being repeatedly raped for, uh, you know, it, I don't know if it spells out months or years or whatever in it, um, and just completely open about this experience, you know? Um, what, what's been your feedback about it? Yeah, so... So after I released the first episode, the feedback, all the responses were were so incredibly positive. I don't think, and I I scanned the internet, you know, I checked all the Reddit threads, and and um, I don't think there was a, sh- a single shitty internet comment. I think that everybody was really positive and super supportive, and you know, and I talked to Krista too, and she said that. Everybody, you know, a lot of people said, you know, I'm so sorry I didn't know this was happening. And she was like, well, you know, that that wasn't the response that I was looking for. But I'm glad that it was, you know, it was well received. And and really, I think that that we were both kind of impressed with the the community and, and how well received it was, because honestly, we were both kind of bracing ourselves, I think, um, in preparation of just, you know, like an explosion of negative comments and um and that wasn't the case here, you know? Yeah, well, isn't that what we expect from the fucking internet? Definitely. I mean, it's unfortunate. Yeah. And I, I've said a lot of times, my show, we've never even tread somewhere even close to something that controversial. But mm-hmm. I've also been in very uh, bewildered in some ways, but also glad that, you know, the Enormacast really, I've never received, like, the full flame out email or comment. And, you know, there's a handful of, like, you know, lower reviews that, you know, I mean, it's the same accusation all the time. I talk about myself too much, um, which is true. So I'm like, oh yeah, he's right. That's right. I'll try. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do my best to stop. <laughs> I mean, and that's that, almost so. more like constructive criticism. Yeah, too. no, that's no, not certainly. like calling yeah. you and out. For... And so I understand your fear and I'm, I'm actually really glad to hear because I was, I was also worried that you were going to come in here with some, I mean, cause it only takes, it only takes one or two really mean things to, to happen. And they still might be coming because you're, you're, this episode is going to be listened to for years. I hope so. Yeah. In years. No, I mean, it, it will. It's, it's, there's not, 
anything in it timely that needs it's mm-hmm. going to be something people go back to um so you know the, you know don't, don't don't just like sit in a warm bath like the internet's like this warm bath that's like washing over you because (laughs) it was today yeah yeah, so it's gonna there's gonna be something probably but that's good to hear definitely but but i mean yeah just the fact that there there wasn't um an argument you know like nobody was trying to diminish this experience because the thing is when you put something out on the internet um in whatever form you put it out right Mm -hmm. you you put your heart and your soul into it uh to to display to show Mm -hmm. people your side of the story and immediately it's out of your hands and it's completely left to, you know, the people who are going to be reading it and experiencing it um, to interpret it how they want to. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, yeah, we were both really, really impressed that um, it was, you know, it was accepted. Mm-hmm. Well, I started to think about, and we were texting about it a little bit while I was listening, listening to it. Um, you know, I started to think about this, like what I was thinking of as the empathy gap and how, you know, first of all, she, she, one of her big issues and all these women's issues is that is not being believed, um, or it couldn't be as bad as you're saying, or, you know, some, some thing you're doing, like allowed this person to think it was okay or something, you know, all these different things, which basically come down to credibility. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really hard for men, myself, to have like the true empathy to what that feels like, um, because it isn't, there's so, so many ways that like, it's a, it is a specific thing to women. And I know you mentioned in the podcast, you, you make sure and talk about how, you know, men are, are subject to this kind of assault, but that's true. But then how we react to it and what it does to us on the whole, and we're talking generalizations is I think probably a little bit different or a lot different than what happens to women. And let's face it, percentages wise, it happens to women from yeah, men. Right? Absolutely. So, you know, by and large, we're talking about violence, men to women. And so I have this like, you know, when I say empathize, I don't mean I, I don't, I think any of these bad thoughts about what her experience was. I just like know that in my heart of hearts, I'm, I'm not able to walk all the way into her shoes and, you know, I just was kind of wondering if like the feedback from men had a different flavor to it than feedback from women about the about the uh, the podcast or about this issue. And if you saw sort of any trends of how, you know, different groups of people, whether men or women or, you know, older women, younger women reacted to it or was it all over the map? Um, I mean, it was a little bit all over the map, but I, I will say this, that the majority of women who responded to this, their response was this has happened to me too. Right. And they shared their story with me. And so, I mean, it was, Jeez, it was days and weeks oof. of reading their messages and I would read it and I'd be like, okay, like you got to respond, but you know, take enough time to, to, to give it a real, you know, read it through and, and give a thoughtful response. Mm-hmm. So, so that was, that was super difficult for me. And I know that Krista had that tenfold. Um, but that was the majority of the responses that came from women. And then I would say that the majority of responses from men was, how can I be a better ally? Right. And I, and that almost almost stopped me in my tracks because you don't get that question a lot from men. Um, because like you said, and I thought about that a lot too, literally you will never be able to experience that because mm-hmm. just based on the way that you look, like you'll never know um, that feeling of being catcalled, you know, on an well, open don't, street. Don't assume anything. <laughs> You're right. I, I shouldn't assume. I mean, come on. A pair of nice climbing pants. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. Um, we but, are going to joke about this a little bit. No, it's okay. okay. I think, I think. Right. I mean, you did as well on, on the podcast. A little bit. Yeah, yeah a little yeah. bit. It's hard there. to find the balance though. I'm so, definitely, totally. you know. So anyway, continue. Um, but, but yeah, that the fact that men will not be able to know exactly what that feels like, um, you know, just based on their appearance, usually, I mean, e- even just they're bigger than most women, right? And mm-hmm. so who's going to walk up to them and try to fuck with them or, you know, make a lewd comment? I mean, they'd get punched in the face, right? right. So, um, yeah, just not being able to really truly empathize. And that's nobody's fault. That's not, you know, like a, a, a me pointing my finger at, at anybody. Um, I had a girlfriend who she reached out to me and said, you know, I was in a gas station and it was two o'clock in the afternoon. You know, it was daylight and, and somebody made a really horrible comment towards me. And she told another friend of ours and he I mean, he's he's like twice her size. And she was just like, yeah, like no, nobody says this to you or to a woman in front of you because, you know, you are 
the size that you are. Mm-hmm. And so how do you how do you tap into that empathy and try to understand what any given woman is going through at any point in her life? You know, it's it's hard. Right. And then I, I had another reaction that, you know, I think. I think is probably not unique, but um, I don't know. You, you mentioned in the text that you hadn't had any reporting on that. But, you know, I was of the mind, and this is also an empathy problem, because it's not. I'm not able to understand this specific situation of victimization and how manipulation works, um, because clearly, aside from the, the, the death threats, the death threats to her family, you know, there was all sorts of manipulation that was going on that I can't fathom, you know, to keep her from reporting uh, what he was doing. And, you know, I, I was just like, okay, he needed to die. He needed to be killed. He needed to be shot to the point where I'm a gun owner. Um, I, I, you know, I haven't looked at my pistol in forever. I went and looked at it, you know, honestly. And I, I, and I'm not, and you know, if anybody out there is like, oh, Calusa is a Second Amendment guy, I'm not, okay? I think <laughs> the, the well-regulated militia part that's been jettisoned is important, and regulation is important, and I would regulate my gun. I'd register it. I'd do classes if I had to do it, so don't send me any gun shit. Anyway, I was like, huh, you know, it's, the thing that shocked me and that made me think that way, and then I kind of rolled it back as I listened to the rest of it, was that... You know, there was the, the her report on the initial incident. And then quickly after that in the podcast, she talks about how it was repeated over and over and over and over again. And that's when I was like, you know, I literally felt rage. And I said, you in my mind, I, I, I my mind was saying you meet violence with violence. You meet this person with a club, a knife, a thing, a gasoline, a gun, a whatever. And that's like. And then I'm like, wait, 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 like, what am I, but that was my thing, you know, that was my idea of like, well, how could, you know, go to jail, go be, be put in jail for murder. That's what it would take. That's what's going to happen. So anyway, the only reason I'm saying that is that I think there's like empathy problems on all sides of this whole thing. And the important part of your podcast and the story you told is that by the end of it, I really had like backed off on all these like initial, my emotional reactions were mm-hmm. kind of like, no, 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 you obviously don't understand this situation. And yeah. that's kind of like a tricky thing to do. Definitely. And I, I mean, I think that, um, I think that that gut reaction that you had, I'm sure a lot of people had that. I mean, that was one of my first reactions as well. And um, being able to, take that anger though and being able to channel it I guess um in a, in a different way you know in, in a way that that supports her it's more supportive of her than it than it is um you know hurtful to him because I mean and I hope that I did a good job with the first episode in in telling her story and not focusing on what he did because right. because I think that is probably one of the most important takeaways from all of it, which, you know, I, I hadn't even really thought about until until the end of our conversation. You know, she, I asked her, you know, what what would you say to this person if you ever saw him again? And, and she very clearly stated, you know, I don't know. And what I want to focus on is, you know, wh- how do we how do we treat survivors? How how do we support them? And so. Yeah, taking that anger and that fury, because there's a lot of it, um, and just channeling it into something better, I guess. Yeah, but then she even had empathy for this this guy. I think that's I very typical. Like, right. No, I know. It's, yeah, I, it's shocking. I'm, for yeah, sure. I, I'm afraid I can't find a way to be on board with that. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's a, like a piece of my soul missing, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's a pit, there's not a pit deep enough. Yeah, as I mean, far as I'm concerned, I, you know? I mean, I don't think it's so much like a, a piece of your soul that's missing it. I, I mean, it's definitely it's super common for survivors to feel that that uh, that shred of empathy for mm-hmm. for their attackers, and I think you know, just it's very helpful in their uh, you know just like developmental process of just you know getting through the whole thing and kind of finding peace of mind for sure. So right, yeah, and so she's a much bigger person than, than I am. Yeah, so are you going to give up his name on this? <laughs> well, we call him Chris on the episode. Yeah, I know you do. I'm kidding. Don't That's... do it. Because um, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other people listening right now thinking about their guns. 
Well, yeah, or at least if you know, I, I had phone calls from from people I haven't seen in you know well over a year, and some of them, you know, one of them had actually even gone gone to to college there, and she was just you know like who is this person? Like right. I probably knew him, and I'm sure everybody in the in the Phoenix climbing community, you know, if they don't already know, they're wondering the same thing, and it is. It's really it's unnerving to think you know this is somebody. So do you? I don't did was there a time frame I mean how long ago was this is this fairly recent this was in 2015 okay so yeah pretty recent Mm -hmm. all right well do you think she's going forward with any sort of way to get this guy put away so they said it in the episode um she said that he was actually arrested and he was put in jail not for not for sexual assault but for abduction actually mm-hmm. and and unfortunately it it is to my understanding it's too far past the time frame to incriminate him for anything he's done huh all right well which is yeah okay the rage is starting again let's move on <laughs> anyway listen to this podcast it'll blow you away listen to that episode um, and, uh, you know, where, where did you actually turn up this story? So when I started putting out Instagram posts about stories, so I'm just looking for little, little sound bites here and there, you know, like 30 mm-hmm. seconds of, of something that each person has struggled with within climbing, within their own climbing experience. Uh, just, you know, wanted to stitch it up and make a little trailer. And I figured I'm going to get, a, I'm going to get a few, I'm going to get a few good ones and, you know, save some of the others. And, and Krista actually was the one who reached out to me. She reached out to me via social media and I immediately, I, I asked her if I could call her and we had a phone conversation and she, she agreed to it without any hesitation and, she came to me in Denver. I was in Denver at the time and it, it all happened within like 30 days. I mean, it was, it was pretty, pretty unbelievable. Like I, I only owned one microphone for, you know, for this recording and, and I was so unprepared. I just, you know, I, I wasn't ready for somebody to be so willing to share a story that deep and, um, and yeah, it just, it happened really fast. What kind of other stuff have you been hearing about? Oh man, so much. I um I mean even before the first episode rolled out, uh just with all the the, you know, the posts about people's stories, you know, I get messages, I get people type things up, they've sent me PDFs um and uh and I mean really it's it's kind of all across the board. Death is definitely a huge one. Death and loss I think is a huge thing uh in the climbing community that, you know, we talk about but maybe we don't talk about enough. Um, a lot of injury and illness and motherhood, I think is a huge one. I, I know a lot of women who, who struggle with, with being a new mom and not being able to, you know, climb as much. Um, look, I wrote them down. <laughs> I got, we got heartbreak, addiction, uh, racism is a huge one. Um, I'm actually, that's one that I, I surprisingly enough, I haven't been able to get a lot of people to talk about. And so, you know, a part of me is wondering like, oh, does that mean that it doesn't, you know, it's not there? Like the story isn't there. And I, and I don't think that's true at all. I think that maybe people just haven't, maybe they just don't know about it yet or, you know, they, they don't feel comfortable yet to share it but i i hope that will change in the next couple of months so yeah we we got all of all the heartbreak are you guys are you gonna be able to handle this like two times a month i got it i'm getting a, i'm going to therapy it's cool right okay i thought about that it's like ooh, it's because it sounds like heavy. that's part of i mean i i would imagine a lot of people are contacting you because telling their story is going to be cathartic and totally, therapeutic. Totally. It's right. very, yeah. And, and I'm so glad that they are. And it's funny because I get it. And then a part of me feels like, oh, like I need to, I need to say something like, um, you know, not, not necessarily give advice, but um, I need to say something about this. Right. And I just don't have the answer for them. And then, and then it definitely hits me and I'm like, well, they're not looking for an answer. They're looking for a platform. They're looking for something to share the story on um, because I, I'm definitely as far as the advice goes, I, I don't know what to say all the time. I, I'm, if I do say something, I'm usually just shooting from the hip. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> so putting you on the spot, why do you think people, uh, why do you think they trust you? What makes you trustworthy to, uh, to get in touch with and, and to tell these stories? Cause I mean, that's, that's gotta be key to this project. So did you, have a feeling that was the case do you do you know what I'm talking about yeah I no, I definitely know what you're talking about I I don't know am I a trustworthy person um I guess because one as far as storytelling goes I mean that's something that I do 
all of the time. Um, and so I've shared a lot of my own stories, really vulnerable, you know, just like personal stories from my own experience. And um, and I think, you know, just being willing to do that. I think people see that and and they it makes them feel more comfortable to share some of their own. And I mean, a part of it is honest. I just feel like they're looking for an outlet, you know? And I mean, I, I do, I try to handle each story with, you know, um, love and care and just the, you know, give it the justice that, that it deserves. But yeah, I don't, I don't really know. It certainly has to do with the reputation that you'd already created. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, I think that, I mean, I just think about what I do on, on here and, you know, we, we tread into there once in a while, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I don't, I mean, certainly you know, you being a woman was, was appealing to someone like Krista that certainly wouldn't necessarily talk to me about that. But, you know, even in the second episode, you deal with, uh, a a guy who lost his brother to climbing and, you know, I still feel like even that maybe they would hesitate to be like, you know, I guess I want to talk to you about this, you know? Um, so I mean, it's a compliment that, that these people are like, Oh yeah, this Kathy Carla woman, she'll, you know, she's the person I need to talk to about these things. So, um, but tell me about your uh, entrance into, you know, becoming the For the Love of Climbing has been a, a blog uh, for a long time. You know, I don't want to go all the way back to the entrance of your entrance into climbing, but when did you start to feel like you had this voice or start to, you know, want to be, quote unquote, this storyteller as something of a, of a um, you know, way of life, if not making a living at it. Yeah. So the blog itself started in 2014. And that's when I was living in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and I was taking a lot of road trips. I mean, you know, there's there's great climbing within a couple hours of New York City. But, you know, if you drive, you know, like eight hours in any direction, I feel like you can, you can get to someplace pretty, pretty okay. And, um, and, you know, I, I just don't call home often enough. And so, uh, the blog honestly and truly started as a way for me to, uh, avoid calling home. And I told my mom, I gave her the link and I was like, you should check this out. This is what I'm up to. And, and, uh, you know, it was a way of letting her know I was alive and, (laughs) you know, still kicking. Um, but yeah, it very quickly from, from that point turned into this really fun way for me to share what I was doing because, um, I don't know. I just, I remember in the first year or so I was, I felt so enthusiastic about climbing and to be able to share something that I love so much. I felt like in small increments also brought a little bit of joy to other people who were reading, you know, who, who I'd been climbing with and that sort of thing. So, um, they were just these really fun personal stories that I got to share with, with the members of the climbing community. And then what, you know, the feedback obviously was good and it started to grow. Um, and you were working, you were nannying, right? I was nannying then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was nannying in, in the city and I was uh, working at a, a gear shop part time. That was how I met most of my, my first climbing partners, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, I just decided to write a little bit about, about it on the side. Did that ever start to provide income? It did for a few years. I mean, not not very much. I mean, I, I think one one year I got like a like a two hundred dollar check for the whole year, and I was so excited because at that point I had also I'd, I'd moved out of New York City and I was just living in my car, and I mm-hmm. did that for for a year on the road. And so yeah, having like a couple extra hundred bucks in my pocket was like the best thing ever. And I was like, cool, I can write about my experiences and make you know a little bit of gas money on the Where side. Where did that two hundred bucks come from? Uh, that one came from, I worked with a backpack company. Huh. Yeah. So like guys. a sponsorship, 200 bucks. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know blog sponsorships were a thing, but I guess they're a thing. They're a thing. <laughs> I think. I don't know if they're a thing anymore. I don't think they were. <laughs> they were a thing. The podcast is the new blog. It Let's is. Face honestly. It. Let's yeah. Totally, <laughs> We've totally evolved. We are so, now a podcast. Uh, your podcast, you, you say right in the beginning, it's not, a, it's not a climbing podcast. It says for the love of climbing. Um, I think you're, you're mining your stories from climbing. Uh, but in some ways you're sort of, you know, this jerk that, that emails you, you know, you are kind of getting around that in a way. Um, because the climbing is, is, uh, is like a a set piece or part of the story, but Mm -hmm. it's, you know, not necessarily where all the feels are coming from. Definitely. Yeah. It's almost like an afterthought. Like it needs to be there for sure, because that Mm -hmm. is the theme The the name is for the love of climbing. But yeah, it's, it's almost like, you know, just like background. Right. Yeah. And, um, 
But I wanted to ask you about your climbing, like what kind of climber you are, which is an old famous Norma Cast question. Um, (laughs) I am a solid 5'10 moderate trad climber, I would say. Okay. (laughs) Like I I, I started climbing in the gunks and I remember when I first started um, thinking, wow, if I could climb a 5'10 in the gunks, like if I could on-site that, I could climb a 510 anywhere so i mean you know i've climbed above and below it but i think you know consistently i'm a a pretty solid 510 climber so what motivates you to climb yeah to do road trips to go all these different places to keep uh to keep at this thing that as we said, may, may or may not have any meaning in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's so much a motivation. Uh, maybe, maybe it's just uh, the fact that I have adult ADHD. I have a hard time sitting sitting still. So yeah, just you know, being able to climb all over the country. Um, you know, not whenever I want, but you know, most of the year is is just my way of exploring the world and just yeah, not having to pay rent too many times out of the year. Uh huh. Yeah. Are you paying rent right now? I am. Yeah, I just moved to Salt Lake City in the yeah. summer, in June. Nice. Well, it's, I mean, I, I always thought that this my Norma Cast thing would like if I had had this as a hustle back when I was just living mostly climbing uh, would have been awesome, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think the nature of what I do might actually be better if I was still on the road, um, although the internet didn't really exist then um, at all. But it seems like yours, I don't know, yours seems like it might be a little tricky to pull off living in a car and working in coffee shops and things. Because you've got a lot of stuff going on with getting the stories and getting the editing and, you know, doing the voiceover work and all that. Mine's kind of one shot. Like when we're done with this, I'll edit this and I'm done, you know. So, I mean, I guess I'm just sort of justifying you being sedentary for a little while to see how this thing goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is your sort of um, game plan? Um, I mean, so I definitely think being stationary for right now is the most helpful. Like having a place in Salt Lake that people can kind of, you know, drop in when they're passing through and that sort of thing and, and get a recording is a really good thing um but you know i i'd also talked to recently chris hampton from the the power company climbing podcast and he he does a lot of interviews on the road and so it's just you know been interesting to see his setup and that sort of thing and and for me my number one thing i won't do over the phone interviews for for two reasons one i think the sound quality can you know it's just not always as good um and also because you know i'm not just asking you hey will you tell me about your climbing accomplishments and you know where you grew up like these yeah, are the really dumb stuff I talk about. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no, these are, you know, just like deeply personal questions. It's like, I mean, right. even just the initial question when I ask somebody, hey, will you talk to me about, you know, a dead loved one? I mean, how do you how do you phrase that question, uh, you know, in in a way that isn't awkward and really invasive, you know? Mm. And I mean, my, my life motto is you can't get a yes if you don't ask the question. So, you know, um, luckily a lot of people already see what, what the podcast is kind of revolving around. And so they, they've approached me, which has been really nice. I don't have Mm -hmm. to necessarily reach out to them. Um, but just being able to do the interviews in person and, you know, have that, you know, one-on-one eye contact, like I can see your face and I can see your emotions. Like we, I, we're in Carbondale right now and we just finished up the No Man's Land Film Festival. We had a flagship festival here and I was able to interview one of the, the guest speakers. And, you know, we sat, we took two hours out of the day and we sat down and she told her story and we cried together. I mean, she, she was like, I'm sorry, I'm talking in circles. And I'm like, no, this is exactly what I wanted, you know, just to sit down and, and be able to talk and cry (laughs) it was it was kind of awesome so i think that's really important so yeah the game plan is you know keep climbing keep doing my thing and then there are people all over the country and all these you know really awesome climbing destinations they live there or they'll be traveling through and just kind of grabbing them as as we go so it can be done and and like you just said if you can you just have to be super mercenary about getting what you can when you can. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I've given this a lot of thought too, because especially because of the in-person interviews, I'm like, I should get a box and like stick some foam in it. I'll fly everywhere with it. I'll just fly out and see everybody. And then I realized that would cost a million dollars and would not be. Yeah. It'd be expensive. <laughs> reasonable. Um, you know, but the, luckily like so much of this recording stuff is, has gotten, you know, minuscule hmm. into where, you know, the, the zoom recorders do what, you know, a box fan used to do 25 years ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, Once I figure out how all, 
how all of the equipment works, I think I'll be set. I mean, really, it's the editing part that is the hardest because, you know, one, you have the interview and that's always it's it's a lot of fun to be able to connect with somebody in person, but also listening to their story firsthand, you know, from them. That's that's pretty intense. And then going back and usually I'll give it a couple of weeks like I didn't touch Krista's episode, the first episode for like a month and a half, because I mean, that was like a two close to three hour recording. Right. And then going through all the audio a month or so later and and, and just picking through it and editing it, it, you know, it's a lot of work. So. Yeah. And where did, I mean, you're just making this up. Literally as I go. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, the hip. again, I'm like this wimp. I, what I edit is nothing. And so I was thinking about that while listening to it, the pieces and parts and putting them together. And, you know, it sounds so good and it's in this format that's, you know, pretty tried and true within podcasting and within radio, um, you know, sort of an NPR, like in that sort of wheelhouse, but they have, you know, multiple producers they have a team when yeah, do i get a yeah. team <laughs> and it's it, you know and, and when i first started this you know there was some like constructive criticism around that like comparing me to this american life or comparing me to that and and i i would kind of i was a big podcast you know early an evangelical sort of like rah 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 about the form and i was always like don't compare me to a radio show that they just rebroadcast as a podcast they are not podcasts, and I'm doing my air quotes, because really, literally, they were on the radio, and then they just want to put them out to other people, and they put them out as a podcast. And at the time, there was all these great DIY podcasts, you know, that were just people, you know, pressing record. And that was, that was the, the basis of podcasting until NPR realized that they, they basically had a market, not a medium, mm-hmm. so to speak, because again, the, the, this American life was being produced and then put on the radio and then you could get it as a podcast. So, um, it was just like getting a tape of it or, or, you know, a CD of it or whatever. So, um, but yeah, I just always remember those criticisms and I'm just like, screw you, you know, like I'm just sitting here at my, my, my desk, like, you know, there's producers that not only went to school for this shit, they, get a salary that yeah, like they get paid sustains their, their, their whole family. Yeah, so, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> which is to say what you did, what you created on your own, making it up, learning it on the fly is amazing because it's, I mean, it really, uh, the whole time I was like, wow, this sounds like, you know, that Ira Glass made this, you know, or, or one of his producers, one of his women that he's, you know, had on the show forever produced yeah. this piece so man chris Kalus just compared me to ira glass yeah. i can quit yeah I'm well done um, <laughs> but yeah so um you know the end game though is important because of the amount of time that you're going to put into this mm-hmm. thing so you know have you projected yourself out of ways in terms of like your commitment yeah yeah i mean i have actually scheduled a full year as far as people I plan on interviewing or I've already interviewed. Um, and so, you know, right now it's going to be one a month, which I, it's already been a lot of work. And I was kind of scrambling this weekend to get the, the second one out. But Oh, I thought it was two. No, no, I'm one oh, a month. Yeah, cool. yeah. Good no, job. I'm not that coordinated. That's super yeah, smart. Yeah. I mean, and at some point it would be awesome to have two a month. I, I think no. I would definitely need more help no. for that. But you're disagreeing. You're shaking your head in disagreement. You know, this thing has to sit in your mind mm-hmm. for a month. I think, you yeah. know, it, 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 just like I was joking that you're going to have a hard time, like getting battered by this stuff time after time. Yeah, and again, yeah. I think people too, like, uh, I don't know, I'm sure once they get into it, they'll eat up as many as you put out. But, uh, that's my feeling for both your health and, and, uh, everything else that, that it feels like a one a month or for now. I anyway. think one a month seems yeah. pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's definitely a little bit of emotional clobbering. I think that that happens, you know? So, well, it's, you know, I, I, I was really encouraged because the, the whole feel good. I'm, I'm, I keep going back to this dude that you quoted at the beginning. I'm glad you did because it's, it's given me this like thing to kind of think about in terms of the way I think about climbing as well, because maybe I wasn't quite, listening to it because I wasn't sure about, you know, there's just like this whole feel good thing around climbing that does kind of drive me mad. Um, in, you know, in the van life thing and all just like the, the rah, 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 like, look at me and, you know, my life is perfect and climbing is perfect. And it's all about empowerment. And it's all about, and, and I've always thought 
okay, yeah, it can be like that, but can also be demoralizing and it can destroy lives. Um, you know, I've got plenty of friends who are gone and the watching the ramifications of that, which is part of what your second uh, episode is about. So I was a little bit leery to be, you know, are we going to have like a rah, rah, rah every, you know, every month, like yeah. how just a super great climbing is. I mean, I think that's really fair yeah. because I think, I think, no, I think that's a totally fair assumption because I think most people who know me, they, they think I'm a really positive person. I mean, I, I, I am do. a positive yeah. person. I'm very, you know, I mean, I'm you're great to be around highly caffeinated and yeah. really bubbly. And I'll, I'll give you the silver lining, right. whether you want it or not. Um, and so all those things that you said about climbing, I think that it absolutely is, you know, it can be all of those things. And like you said, there's a, the other side of it that, you know, it's not that we forget about it. I think that we, we feel a little, maybe a little shy and maybe a little bit ashamed of, of it. You know, mm-hmm. like I had these feelings of failure or, you know, I'm, I'm going through a difficult loss and, and all the feelings that surround that. And so it's hard to talk about them. But the thing is, even if you don't tell that story and you don't talk about it, it still exists. Like mm-hmm. it's still a story that exists within you. It happened it happened and just not talking about it doesn't make it go away. And I mean, I have spent my entire life being an avoider of so many things and have learned that, you know, just not discussing it openly doesn't make it just disappear. So I think that being able to recognize that there are two sides of Mm -hmm. of climate, just like, you know, there are two sides to everything. um, It gives you a chance to own that story. So... So would you, uh, I mean, that was intriguing what you just said. So, I mean, is there room for your story on this podcast? <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to, do you want to hear which story? I mean, just, uh, you know, is that, this is part of that empathy thing. Um, I mean, just, you don't have to be specific, but is, is it coming from a personal place of having, having had, uh, issues, trauma, things like that in terms of, of related to climbing or not related to climbing? Yeah, sure. I mean, and and that story, you know, long story short, you know, I, I went on a, a big wall expedition and I'd never climbed a big wall before. And I came back and I immediately dubbed myself as a failure. And, you know, it's funny because, yeah, with social media, right, you're always posting like the, the biggest and the brightest and the best. And I was so excited to to be able to go on this trip. And, you know, just having been invited, I felt like such such an honor. And so, of course, I was talking about it and and all my friends knew. And, you know, when I come back, of course, everyone wants to hear about it. And, you know, how do you tell them? Well, like, I... I'm a failure. I, I didn't climb the, the wall, you know, and um, and I definitely repressed that for a long time. And then and then, you know, eventually I started talking about it to a couple of close friends. And then, you know, and I I'm a writer like I it's it's my way of kind of working through things. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to take some time and think about it and step away and then come back. And so I wrote about it and I published an article about the big wall experience, which I didn't want anyone to know because, you know, I want everyone to think I'm perfect and awesome, which I'm not. But so, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, that was me. <laughs> well, I'm not laughing at you. No. You're laughing now. right? People can't see it. But, <laughs> I'm um, I mean, maybe mixed in that those feelings of failure was the fact that you had made your at least your climbing life public. And it was based on the rah, 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 like everyday climbing is an amazing thing. Um, but to me, that's boring. No offense. Not and so like the fact that you were worried about putting it out there that you had failed. And I've been saying this for a long time is so counter to what I feel is interesting in climbing. Um, we just talked to Michael Kennedy on my other podcast, the run out. And Andrew said that like, their climb of Latok, the North Ridge, is known as the magnificent failure. And Danini's quote is like, yeah, if we had done it, it had been forgotten. You know, so there's that. And yet everybody does seem to be so worried about letting us know what's really going on behind the scenes or scared or the failure thing or whatever. Um, so which is to say that I think what you're going to do with this project is, I mean, just like dive into that. Yeah. Just 100%. So, well, yeah, I mean, was that a learning experience for you to, to, you know, publish about you sucking and failing? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, just um, 
learning it was more so i guess learning that it was okay to suck and that really nobody nobody was judging me on that i mean basically anything you you do anything any person does uh you know is their own and nobody nobody is judging them on it really if they have some negative judgment towards you it's about themselves and not you but you know i just and i knew that i mean we all know that but i I just think that actually experiencing it and kind of working through that on my own you know was was super important and and also you know it's i i took a lot of the failure that I felt on that trip and and I used it to do a lot of other things since then mm-hmm. you know I did climb a big wall um and I I did start a new project I started this podcast you know something that I never would have you know dreamed before but if I had been afraid of failure and if I hadn't gone through it in Africa then I probably wouldn't have even tried so but it's funny because it, it's um I, I feel like in those situations you're not actually really not you, you, but you as in, in the general, like scared of the failure because that's already happened. Mm-hmm. You're scared of what everybody's going to think about the failure. Mm-hmm. And I remember that. I remember that you were like in a jungle somewhere, right? I was in a jungle, stupid jungle. You were in a jungle, right? This yeah. is that trip. Because I, I, you know, I see your Instagram and all that and we know each other. So I pay attention and I, my whole thing was not like, oh, she's, you know, she sucks or whatever. I was like, good. You know, you need to get that experience out of the way or... Yeah, get knocked down a peg or Yeah, totally, and I was like, totally. that's, I'm sure that's an amazing... It's going to be amazing. And like you wallowing around in the freaking jungle, it's like, good. Good for her. Yeah. Like getting after it out there, <laughs> you know, because it's like the whole... I think there's a lot of pro climbers and you're not a pro climber. I'm an unprofessional climber. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, I, I think there's just like so much that could be learned from that in terms of you know, going a little bit deeper into like sucking sometimes and some are, some are better at it than others, but, uh, you know, the po- the super polished, you know, nothing, no cracks, nothing behind the scenes thing, at least in climbing, it, it's just counter to what we're doing out here. Yeah. I mean, it's really impressive, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, you've interviewed a whole slew of professional climbers and, and they've all had their failures and their sins, but you know, so many of them, I feel like, at the end of the interview, at the end of the day, a lot of your listeners, while they're really impressed with it, mm-hmm. they also can't relate to it. Like, they're not going to go totally. send that 513, 514 rig. And that's fine because the pros are there to do that, you know? But it's all the the other things. Like, again, the, the moderate 510 climber. I mean, all the stuff that, you know, that... I feel like we experience that other people connect to. And I mean, and that's, that was my takeaway from the Africa trip after all of it exploded and kind of, you know, died down was, you know, I wrote my essay and people reached out and they were like, Hey, I experienced this failure too. And so I, you know, this person that I have no idea, you know, what their experience was really like, because I didn't go through it, but they were writing to me, you know, and we were connected in that way. And so I think that, that's something that a lot of my audience will will find, you know, in the podcast, something to to resonate with with them. So, well, and what's interesting about my position in in climbing over the years, which has allowed me to do this podcast, I think, with some credibility, when I see the stories that are put out by the said company, a lot of times I know what really happened because mm-hmm. I'm friends with those people, and I know that guess what. That's not what happened. This is what happened. And not that they can tell that story, but again, like not showing any cracks in this like, you know, summit handshake, high five kind of story. Mm-hmm. I think the media is getting away from that a little bit. Um, I think so. As polished as it used to be. But it's just interesting because I still, I'm just like, no, show the drama and people will they'll still, they'll, they'll want to buy your shit even more. Right. I mean, and not even show the drama, but it's just, you know, show the reality of it. Right. right? Like I, I, I did a wall and I actually lost my phone and so I couldn't take any pictures and I was so bummed about it. And oh my God. <laughs> I was so bummed. I couldn't take any pictures. I couldn't listen to any music. I was all by myself and, uh, and a party actually came up and they were like, well, we, we don't have a camera, but we have a cell phone. And they, they pulled out their flip phone and they took like a really, you know, super grainy, you know, mega pixelated photo of me. And, and again, like that just showed the reality of that day of that moment. And, right. and that's my favorite picture out of all the climbing photos I have mm-hmm. of myself. I'm like, yeah, that one just shows the truth, you know? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's what you're, what you're sort of, uh, getting at with this whole thing is the truth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The awkward truth. The awkward truth. (laughs) Yeah. 
That's cool. <laughs> where, where do we find this podcast? Um, it is on my blog. It's on fortheloveofclimbing.com. And you can also get it on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and probably somewhere else. But I honestly, like the internet is so hard. I, I don't know. <laughs> probably just those three. <laughs> <laughs> have you gotten offers for help? Um, you know, I, I have had one person reach out about doing a little uh, sound uh, engineering, you mm-hmm. know, clean it up for me, which has been really great. And, you know, we talked about having a team and people to help you. Right. And while I want a team, I also, I, you, you take a little bit of pride, you know, in doing something yourself. I mean, I definitely, I also can't pay anyone. So, you know, right on. Well, um, you know, I, I get offers to, for help, which I've needed, but, um, I always have this problem with, with management really of like, well, by the time I explain what I need done, I just should have just done it, right. but it's totally completely, um, that's totally ludicrous and, and control freakish. Uh, so when you do get offers for help, I, my advice would be to take them, um, if you can handle it. Um, because that's how you're going to form a team. Yeah. Was that your way of offering a help? No, no, it's not. <laughs> I don't have time to help. Um, but I, I'm just saying, I think again, what, what you're creating here, you know, once you let the, 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 the little bird fly from the nest, I, I hope that, you're, you're going to run into some hurdles and I'm, I'm going to, it's kind of like your big wall. I hope that you're going to run into some stuff that is so, no, let me say it this way. I hope you're going to run into things that are out of your wheelhouse and you're going to need some sort of interpretive help. Um, just like I was saying that if I was given that story, uh, somehow from Krista, there's no way I would just just interject the only, only my opinion or my, of what's good and what's bad. And I think as you broaden everything out, um, hopefully you will challenge yourself with these things that maybe you, you aren't going to be quite so able to empathize with, Mm -hmm. which at which point you'll need some, some help. Um, at least some other people to be like, no, don't say that (laughs) (laughs) or do say this or whatever, you know, because that's, I'm just trying to think of like the landmines I would just stumble on. Right. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, yeah. And the whole process of editing the first two episodes, there are things that I hear and I'm like, we can't say that on, you know, on a podcast on, you know, live or whatever. It's just, uh, but yeah, I mean, I definitely will take any and all help thrown my way. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously sometimes it's not worth the time, but, um, well, cool. You also need sponsors. So if anybody's out there listening in the industry, uh, I, you know, this is the, this is the time to early adopt this thing. Uh, I think it has legs outside of climbing, which is only good. Um, I mean, it, 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 you know, what it reminds me of is death, sex and money. Um, have you listened to that one? I don't listen to podcasts. Oh, you don't <laughs> <laughs> really? I've listened to a few. I, okay. I researched a bunch making this one, but okay. I don't normally. <laughs> Did you ever listen to that one? I have heard that one. Okay, yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like a climbing version of that in a way. Um, are you going to go, are you going to go happy at all? We'll do a couple happy ones. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are those emotions too. Yeah, they they exist in the universe. They might be yeah. not as easy yeah. to deal with, I guess. We'll sprinkle some of those in there. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for sitting down. This hey, was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Yeah. I made it. I can tell my mom. She'll and be you so excited. Listen to uh, to for the love of climbing, but don't stop listening to the Enormous Cast. At least hate listen to it. <laughs> I need the downloads too. <laughs> Hey folks, thanks for listening and thanks to Kathy for hanging out, sitting down. She'd had a busy weekend with the No Man's Land Film Festival here in Carbondale and still managed to wrap that up and come over and spend some time with me. So I appreciate it. Check out the podcast. That's all I'm going to say. For the love of climbing, go check it out. Okay, I'll keep it simple. I'm going climbing this weekend. I hope you guys are too and I hope you're safe. hope you communicate. I hope you check your knot.
not only my dreams. My belief is that all these dreams are, are yours as well. And the only distinction between me and you is that I can articulate them. And that is what poetry or painting or literature or filmmaking is all about. It's as simple as that. And we have to articulate ourselves, otherwise we would be cows in the field. Thank you.